opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, hello, everybody. Excuse me, and welcome back to uh, Untangling Transportation. This is our August call. We have been on a little vacation since June. We had a, a uh, actually since May, we had a lovely uh, little summer break where uh, we had the opportunity to attend uh, ACB's virtual and then in-person conventions uh, and some other fun summer things. And now we're back to talk about uh, transportation and hopefully to untangle some of it um, as we try to figure out um, how to make transportation better, easier, more accessible, uh, and more fun to use for folks who are blind or have low vision. So uh, I am Ron Brooks. I am your uh, facilitator. Uh, and I want to acknowledge that we have uh, Travis, who is helping today with uh, hosting duties. Thank you, Travis. Uh, we have Herbie, who is doing Clubhouse. And I think you're streaming also. So double duty. Thank you. Uh, for your assistance or connecting us to Clubhouse. Uh, so we are grateful to have you all here. Grateful to be on ACB Media 6 uh, and grateful uh, for anybody who's been able to join us here on Zoom uh, or in Clubhouse or on ACB Media. And also grateful to uh, the person who's going to be joining me on stage for a conversation. And I will introduce her in just a moment. So I have to tell you, I've got a let you come behind the, um, you know, behind the curtain a little bit. Normally for these calls, of course, we usually have um, a guest speaker as we do this evening, but normally I have a program. I have like this run of show that's three or four pages long with like timestamps to at, at, at five past you do this, at eight past you do this, at 10 past you do that. And it usually works pretty well. Um, I have been traveling, so there is no run of show. And we're just going to have a conversation. And you all in the audience are going to be part of the conversation if you wish to be. But for me, this is tough because I don't have any notes in front of me. So I'm literally holding a fidget spinner, uh, which I picked up at the ACB conference and convention. Uh, and I'm putting it to good use so that I don't get too carried away. Um, so we, I called this call Transit Advocacy Grab Bag. And really, the purpose is two things. Uh, one, I really want to talk about advocacy. There's so much going on in transportation right now, and I'm going to just hit some highlights that we won't dive too deeply into this month, but we will be diving into in future months. There's a lot going on, and of course, there's always a lot going on in transportation at the local level and, and the communities where you all live uh, and use transportation. There's always stuff to talk about. So what I want to do is bring on our guest who I'm about to introduce, have a conversation about some of the great work she is doing in all sorts of spaces around uh, transportation advocacy and, and advocacy in general. Uh, and then I wanna bring you all in and we can just talk about transportation uh, in your communities. What are the issues coming up for you? Um, and what kind of challenges are you facing? And, and this is helpful for me because my second goal I already have our speakers lined up for September and for October. Um, I have a good sense of who those folks are gonna be uh, and we will um, announce them shortly. Uh, but we have a whole year of, of calls to plan and knowing what is top of mind for you 
uh, will give me some opportunity to think about what we need to be talking about uh, in this space so that it has value for all of you all. So, so let me, without further ado, welcome uh, my friend, someone that I've gotten to know over the last uh, few years uh, as we are both working around all sorts of transportation advocacy issues. Uh, Sarah Harris uh, invited me to participate in a panel uh, at last year's CCB virtual convention, where we talked about uh, some transit, it really tactics for how can you determine what issues to advocate for federally, at the state level, at the local level, and how do you go about doing that? We had so much fun that I invited her here uh, so that we could talk about some of the work that she's doing. Um, and she's doing work all over the place. She's uh, the first vice president of the California Council of the Blind. Uh, I think you're secretary for your Fresno uh, chapter. Uh, you're also doing work within an independent living center where you work professionally and you're working on national transportation issues as well. And I think you may even have some other stuff I don't know about. So Sarah, welcome. Oh, hi, Ron. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I like I like to say I wear a lot of hats. They're all very sparkly and fun. And um, transportation is one of my my favorite hats to put on, and especially when it comes to advocacy and and not just making change, but helping others to make change, I think is super important. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned hats because my presentation for California, I walked in wearing two. I had a white hat. <laughs> You know, Arizona, we like to talk about like the old West, you know, like sand and deserts and rocks and and people on horses with guns and all that. And I had my white hat for being a community advocate for transportation. And I had on my black hat for uh, for working in the industry for 30 years. And um, so anyway, I'm, it's funny that you mentioned hats, but but um, so, yeah, let's just dive right in and and maybe just get to know you a little bit. So. Right before this call, I called you and I got your voicemail, which I often do because you're pretty, you, you have a lot going on. And <laughs> I listened to your voicemail and it's like, if you're calling about the CCB or if you're calling about the Fresno chapter, or if you're calling about this or that, or if you're calling about crazy blind lady consulting. And I'd, I want to start there because I, I can't pass that up. So tell us, you're you're not just a person who does advocacy. You're a person, period. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, tell us a little bit about you. And you're in Fresno. I know that. And you know, what else you got going on? Family, you know, work, obviously, consulting. So lots of stuff, right? Um, yes, yeah, so I've been here in Fresno for almost 30 years, but I'm only 28, right? Um <laughs> <laughs> actually I just turned 43 on Friday. I'm very, very proud to say that. And you know, I when I first lost my sight a little over 20 years ago, it was coming up on the, the one year anniversary and, and I was very pregnant with our daughter, you know, cause that's what you do is you lose your sight and then you go have a baby because you got to do something else kind of crazy. And so I told my husband, well, this can't be a sad day. We have to make it fun. And, and I said, let's call it crazy blind lady day. And so that was the day that I became, you know, the crazy blind lady, you know, like the Ohio state. Um, and, and it's just kind of stuck, you know, like, because, you know, when you go out and you're meeting people and sometimes folks are uncomfortable, they don't know what to say. And so you, you know, throw a little joke out there and, and, and people, they, they remember that and they feel comfortable and, 
And so I've gotten to be known even here in my community. The mayor calls me the crazy blind lady. It's it's fun. And so I I'd gotten involved in a lot of different things here. And you know, you, we get asked a lot of times to do things for free. And and that's okay to a point, but our time is valuable. And so with the um encouragement of our 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 friend here, the ADA coordinator at the time, I I created Crazy Blind Lady Consulting. And so I do usability testing. I do consulting on, you know, is this is this going to work? This event going to work for people with disabilities? It, it could be a- anything and everything. Um, I, I worked on the Dutch Bros app um, a few years ago, which was really cool. Um, you know, so just, you know, this and that here and there, whatever. But people do call me asking for blinds, which is funny. Um, I work for, <laughs> I work for resources for independent Central Valley. And as you said, we're at, um, a center for independent living and it's great work. I'm the director of programs. I oversee, I don't know, five or six different programs and, and lots of staff. And we just have a lot of fun to be perfectly honest. And it's a lot of hard work, but really seeing the change that we can make in people's lives is huge. Um, you know, I, I'm finding more and more that there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, have uh, you know, maybe one primary disability with some vision loss sprinkled in. And, you know, so really helping them to navigate that space has been, you know, a, a kind of personal mission of my own. Um, and then as far as transportation goes, uh, my best friend, Shanir and I, he's the paratransit specialist here in Fresno for our paratransit agency. Well, we, um, we just started going to city hall and going to meetings and advocating and, found that when we had conversations with folks and told them about what worked and didn't work, that things actually happened. And, you know, and here we are, we're all grown up, got too much to do. And, um, but still, you know, each and every day trying to, to make change. Um, and I'm on the, the Fresno County Transportation Authority, and that's our self-help tax authority board. And I, I'm, I like to say I'm the one thing that Fresno and Clovis proper could could uh, agree on. I'm the urban member at large. It took nine years to fill that seat. Um, so that's really cool. And most recently, and you're good. That's right, right. And you're going to love this, Ron. So I recently got um, put on a advisory kind of ad hoc committee at, in, in investigating microtransit. So we're, we're getting there, which is cool. Very good. So, so let's, let's start there because when I think about Fresno, I, you know, I don't think of a transportation Mecca and yet transportation Fresno, Fresno area transit, that th- there are some things that Fresno does and, and you certainly are involved in some of the work. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about some of the work that, that you all have done and what does transportation look like in Fresno from a blind person's or a low vision person's perspective? What's good? What's bad? Yeah, what's the picture? Well, I will will definitely say that, you know, our paratransit has its problems, like all do, but I I will honestly tell you that it's, it's a lot better than I've heard in other situations. What's bad is we still have the long ride time, the long wait time, the late rides, all of that. Um, but we do have respect, which I think is really important. I hear a lot of places where, you know, people aren't being respected, um, you know, 
and, and, and that makes a difference in your ride, right? Like if they show up late and they're kind of a jerk, then I mean, that doesn't help any matters, but if they're apologetic and they say, Hey, I'm going to work my best to get you where you need to be on time, then that's good. Um, we do, we do have access and ongoing conversation with folks, um, you know, on a regular basis in leadership and transportation, um, because it's important. It's important to sit down and have those conversations say, Hey, this still isn't working right. What can we do? Um, and I, and I found that, you know, just being real and, and not, uh, sugarcoating things does make a difference, you know, not being a jerk, not yelling, none of those things, but just say, Hey, you know, have you looked at this coming to the table with the solution, I think is a big deal. Um, I'll give you an example. So a few years ago, uh, they had built this new uh, marketplace uh, kind of out at the north uh, western edge here of, of the city of Fresno. And it was outside of boundaries for paratransit. There was not a good fixed route transit to get there. And, you know, we kept telling them like, hey, you know, there's a whole little land out there that nobody can get to. And think of all the revenue. Listen, this is the key, right? You've got to tell people things they want to hear. Think of all the revenue that the city of Fresno will be able to bring in if people with disabilities can get out to this marketplace, right? And, and it took time. It took some work. It took some effort of sitting down and looking at how we could, how we could make those routes work. Um, and, and it became a, a thing. It's one of the most traveled routes, both through um, paratransit and fixed route um, here in the city, which is awesome because it's this nice outdoor shopping mall that has movie theater, Target, um, you know, some department stores, all kinds of different things, lots of food, too much food. Um, but it really makes a difference. And what was the most important thing out of that, though, is one of our chapter members, her niece has lived out in that area for many, many, many years, and she was never able to get there and to visit her. And now she can. She doesn't have to get a ride from somebody else to go there or have them come pick her up. She can actually go there on her own, which is huge. Um, some major things that I, I think that is happening right now is we have a lot of increased um, I'm, I'm losing what it's called. So it's, it's faster, faster uh, fixed route. So 15 minute service in a lot of places, 30 minute mm -hmm. service. Um, they've done some upgrades to getting folks out too. We have uh, a whole sector out, way out on the South central part of Fresno where there's Amazon and Ulta, different warehouses. Mm -hmm. So more opportunities for folks to be able to get to work. You know, and, and that's that's a big important thing for people with disabilities is how do we get to work every single day? What do we do? And, mm -hmm. you know, and so we've, we've seen a big change in that. Um, and on another note, we have a, a pretty decent rural transit that runs um, in the outer areas of Fresno County. Is it perfect? Could it be better? Um, you know, no and yes, right? Everything can always be better. But the coolest thing that just happened is that for the, it's the first of its kind out in this little unincorporated city called Biola, um, they just launched two vehicles of microtransit that, and this is the first ever where it's run by um, the subcontractor for the rural transit, which is MV, but the employees are people that live in 
the city of Biola. And that is Mm -hmm. specifically for that city to be able to get to medical appointments and Mm -hmm. get to, you know, get, get good food and things like that. And, and to kind of paint a picture of Fresno, you know, picture like you have, you have a big city in the middle and then, then you have all these little spaces that are kind of far away and, and you've got to figure out how to, how to, how to connect the dots and it's not easy in any way, shape or form, but this is the first of many. Um, and that was brought into play by our self-help tax that we have. And um, also a generous donation from the league of women, women's voters, which really surprised me. <laughs> Very interesting. So, yeah, and, yeah. and then to go along with all that, you know, the transit and the paratransit talk about things like sidewalks, bus stops, kind of infrastructure and when we think of small cities and Fresno Fresno's not that small I mean it's several hundred thousand people but you know it's not a huge city when we think of cities like that we tend to think of uh sidewalks are probably okay in the middle but not too good on the outsides uh audible signal or accessible pedestrian signals maybe not too many um bus stops hard to find maybe there's shelters probably not what, what's the infrastructure like and how's that going to get people to all this transit that you guys are starting to have? Actually, actually lots of good stuff. Um, we, mm-hmm. um, we have quite a few APSs and, you know, the, the pandemic kind of messed us up on that, um, that landscape, though, because there was a plan to um, put them in down all uh, of Blackstone Avenue, which is like the major, mm-hmm. um, you know, middle ground for Fresno. And but what happened is, COVID and now there's backlog and everything, but that's still in the works. Um, Mm -hmm. We have, you know, accessible pedestrian signals downtown. We have them over by the the college by Fresno state Um, and and lots of places. And for the most part, if, if something happens and you, you call and you say, Hey, you know, there's an APS over here, but it needs to be turned up. They'll turn it up. There's no Mm -hmm. question about it. There's no like, well, the neighbors, they don't like it. And, you know, all of those things, Um, you know, it does make a difference. We have a couple of places where there's roundabouts, but we've taught, we've taught them that, Hey, don't do those anymore because they don't work well. And and they've learned that there's been lots of accidents, not with blind folks, but with, you know, other folks just not paying attention. And so that, that I think is, is going to go away. We have a couple of places where there's some scrambles, which I think are really cool, but you know, people got to know that they're there. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And so know, for everybody else's benefit, you describe a scramble. I think I know what you mean, but um, we're not talking about eggs. We are not talking about eggs. We're talking about when uh, all of the traffic stops, it's, it's all four, four, uh, four intersection, all, uh, all four parts of the intersection all stop and you can cross diagonal um sideways whichever way you need to go within that amount of time there's a lot of that in washington dc i saw as well mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. when i was there recently and and it works it works well for you know moving people moving them quickly um and also you know keeping traffic flowing you know pretty well as as, as well as far as bus shelters go that's been a big upgrade that's been happening over the last few years um, we're getting close to the end of the most current um, capital projects with that, they're all accessible. They have shelters, um, trash cans, good lighting. That's been a big thing. Um, And, you know, but I I can say what really stinks is where I live, there's this little part that's not annexed. And so I don't have a bus stop down the street from my house, but, uh, 
but I will, as I know I will <laughs> one day. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I'm going to convince the city and the county to get along long enough to to annex this little piece then so we can look at how we can do that. But we've, we've just seen a lot of, you know, increased transportation to places where people need to go. Like we even have um, out in the, the southern part of Fresno, we have a veterans um, uh, housing where four mm -hmm. folks live. And we were able to create specific transportation for them to get to um, transfer points and then also to have paratransit come out there as well. And it's, again, like way outlying in the city. Um, I, I always trip out when they build things like way out far away and don't ever think about all of the other other pieces that go together. Yeah. Um, si sidewalks are pretty good. Um, roads uh, are, are getting worked on currently. And, and so I, I know that there's going to be a lot of um, thought put into doing the complete street, which is, you know, that's the asphalt for your street. It's your curb. It's your um, your valley gutter. All of those things, making sure that you know it's it's a complete street. That you're not going to be walking through mud. Um, you're not going to be uh, trampling over you know somebody's in somebody's yard because there's not a sidewalk. Um, that's happened. <laughs> and yeah, and you oh, know. Yeah. It, yeah, and then something that that's came up more recently in some meetings I was on was, um, you know, folks who use wheelchairs and if there's not a sidewalk and it's been raining and how gross that is, especially if they're using a manual wheelchair. And I, I never thought about that. And, you know, and so, like I said, it's, it's really interesting to start like hearing other people's perspectives about, you know, what transportation looks like you know for them and and in all cases you know in that infrastructure piece as well um but no i i, I would I, I think people would be pleasantly surprised when they came to fresno we we get a lot of jokes yeah. um you know all over the place but you know the the county has you know i think a little over a million people which you know is pretty pretty large <laughs> Well, let's expand it out a little, and and we're gonna. I want to come back to your some of your philosophies around advocacy in a little bit, but let's expand it. You're also first vice president for for CCB, and and I know CCB. You know, I was involved in some of the conversations that you've had around transportation. Um, I know CCB has had uh, some some conversations around uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, I know there's been some conversation with some of your members around. Uh, trying to make paratransit better in, in, in certain parts of the state. What are what are what is what are CCB's priorities and how do you as as both a transportation, you know, a person who understands transportation and as an officer in CCB, you know, how do you help kind of guide the efforts of the organization uh, you know to to kind of figure out where do we put our effort and, and how do we address some of these issues with our local chapters and members? I think it comes down to really educating people on how things really start at the local level. Um, you know, because we, we're talking about, you know, communities and how they all look different. So Fresno, you know, it looks much different than San Francisco and, you know, the coast. So like Pismo Beach, that's going to look different. And so really educating people on on where to go, who to talk to and and where do you find some of these answers to, you know, your questions that you may have about how it all works? And, and so, you know, one of the things, and, and I think David is here on the call, you know, David and I have been talking about is really, you know, 
grasping, you know, what's important to try to put into play, like on a statewide or national level, but what, what is important at that, at that community level, you know, it's, it's a different, different stage. So, and one of the things that we've talked about, you know, more on a statewide level is, you know, making a, a paratransit application that, you know, spans across the whole state, you know, so that you don't have to go and get an, you know, a certification every time you're going to maybe go visit another place or, you know, you don't have to, um, if you move, you're already good to go and you just have to activate it. Things like that, making sure Mm -hmm. that, you know, Mm -hmm. folks who are blind get, um, you know, automatically uh, a permanent disability marked down. And so we don't have to go to a doctor every you know, couple of years. That's an important thing. We do that here in Fresno. When I found that that that's not being done in other areas of the state, and and I mean, like, you know, very progressive parts of the state where you think like, oh, you know, they 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 should do that. They don't even do that, and yeah. and it just blows my mind. And especially for you know folks like like us that it's not going to change. So why would you yeah. not you know mark us as a permanent disability? Um, I really, you know, I really like to be there as much as possible. Of course, you know, we're all, you know, very, very busy. And, and I think that the the biggest thing that that I've been trying to do is build a network of, of, you know, experts, because we're all the experts of, of our transportation needs. But I've, I've been trying to build a network, network of people that I can say, hey, I don't have time right now, but you could reach out to this person and they can answer your questions. Because I think that that's really important because maybe my perspective isn't going to be the same as as yours or David's or, or somebody mm-hmm. else's, right? Mm-hmm. And and I yeah. think that that's always important to have too. But But really educating people about how there's a lot of things that get decided at that local level that they they may try to tell you well we do that because it's in the law but it's not really in the law it's because they decided that they wanted to make that role and you know I think one of the examples would be you know the amount of of ride time that you can be on on paratransit you know a lot of places have 90 minutes but others they put in place no longer than 45 and you know, I'd like to strive to get Fresno at that place because it sh- you shouldn't be on for longer than 45 minutes, let's face it. So so it's interesting, you bring up a point, you know, one of the things we've talked about on this call many times is the transportation issues, aside from things that the federal government requires. And, and, and when I say require, I mean, I don't mean permit, I mean require, where it's like federal government says you must do it a certain way. Aside from those things, every decision in transportation is just about every decision is local. It's made by local policymakers, either transit board members or maybe members of a city council, uh, because a lot of transit systems are run by local cities. Um, so, So given that those issues are always local issues um, at some level, it's it's interesting because the one thing that the state can do what that 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 can happen at a state level is state legislation so if you for example look at who decides the fare on a transit system that those are local decisions made by local boards across the state or city councils but if mm-hmm. you had a state that said we're going to pass a law 
the paratransit fares cannot be more than bus fare. Um, th those are state level decisions. So do you think that the, the balance between the state and let's say local chapters is that the state directly works on state level issues and then maybe advises local chapters and gives them essentially capacity building or training or helps them figure out how to best advocate local issues. Is that you think yeah. is really the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really the best way to do it, you know, because at the, at the end of the day, you know, we can't make a blanketed statement. I mean, and, and you talk about fares, I mean, my goodness. So you guys are all going to like throw things at me because our paratransit fare is $1.25. Um, other places it's four five, six dollars right and you know and and it's it's stayed that low for a long time i I would argue that we should go a little bit more in order to get better service but you know that's that's me what's but what's the bus fare in Fresno it is a dollar okay so slightly more but not a lot more than the bus fare no no mm. And I think we have, I think we have in place, um, if I remember right, that the paratransit cannot be more than double the bus. Right. That's a, that's ADA actually. That is the ADA. So, okay. I, yep, I knew I that's heard it ADA. somewhere. Yep. That's ADA. That, the oh, ADA says, and that, right. that's, that's my ADA coordinator, certified ADA coordinator hat, remembering something I read somewhere. <laughs> and, and by the way, guys, the certified ADA coordinator, all it means is I know how to look stuff up. Literally, <laughs> which means we can all be ADA certified. <laughs> we can all be yes, certified and if, you, if, you're if you're interested, email me. I'll tell you how. <laughs> I, I I love shocking them with blind people with it. It's it's great. Me and Shanir got ours the same month in July oh, of great. 2022. Yeah, it's great. We took a picture with their certificate certificates upside down because that's what we do. Well, speaking, <laughs> yeah, the other hey, that's that's awesome actually. Um, so speaking of ADA, so you work in an independent living center, and I, I'm going to start to kind of bring this around. What would you say um, are, you know, maybe those issues that you think from a transportation standpoint that we can align with the larger disability community to really make an impact, um, you know, either at the local level, whatever level you want to talk about, because I know you you work at all levels. Oh, so you're talking about like cross disability wise? Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, you know, really, if if we would all get together and and have a conversation and throw a bunch of things up on the wall, believe it or not, we all want very similar things, if not almost the same every time. And so, you know, what what we have found here locally um, is that when our organization, a Center for Independent Living, and when we work with the CCB local chapter, as well as Valley Center for the Blind, our local blindness agency to make a change and get things done, guess what? It works better. When we bring in other, other disability groups, even better. You know, the more that those kinds of things can happen, I think that that's when people really, they stop and they listen and, and they, they recognize Oh wait a minute! It's not just this particular group; it's it's everyone. And and we have to remember that, you know, people with disabilities as a whole, we're the largest marginalized group within the country, and we are the only group that anybody can join at any time, right? You can't, yeah, you, right. you you know, and and like I like to tell people, you know, you you just don't have a disability yet, 
you know, because there mm-hmm. comes a day where everybody goes, I just don't see so well anymore. I just can't hear as well anymore, you know, and, um, yep. and it, it's a hard mm-hmm. identification to make. Yep. Gotcha. I just have a couple more questions and then I want to open it up. Um, what this is, so this is number two and then I have one more. And so, so this is my advice question. So if you're thinking about everything, you know, either you know, from your work uh, and we didn't even talk about the, the national coalition that you're a part of, but um, you know, we can save that maybe for a little later, but, but what piece of advice would you give people it, it, for one thing that that anybody can do or that you know anybody who cares and wants to make an impact in their transportation scene what what is one thing that you would say they can do or that they should do that would be helpful maybe to start to create some conversation and some and move some dialogue and move the dial around transportation issues you know, number one is don't walk in yelling and screaming, right? Don't don't walk in yelling and screaming. There's a time for that, but it doesn't always get the 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 effect you're looking for. There are so many public meetings that are available. Look look up, you know, what what's going on. If you have your city council meeting, you may have, um, you know, like I serve on a couple different transportation things here in Fresno. Um, show up and make a public comment. Um, I, I know that a lot of times it's like, well, public comment, you can't say anything and you can't, um, you know, make any action <laughs> on it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But believe it or not, they take notes. They, they listen, um, you know, cause I've, I've been sitting in those rooms for my gosh, over, you know, 10 years now and, and really paying attention to, you know, what folks listen to and, and come with a solution if you have one. Even if it sounds outlandish and, you know, just totally off the mark or like somebody's not going to do it, it's worth throwing it out in the universe because it may not be the solution, but it may be a start to one. And, you know, and, and that's when folks will start to listen. You know, and that's yep. for sure. Yeah, but I'm going to add a, a, a parallel to that. I, I love the advice of not, uh, you know, not yelling and screaming because it's, it's you know, I do... I, there's this, I had a boss who used to tell me that politicians never fund failure. Um, and, you know, and his point was that people who are in, who are elected or appointed to positions of authority, and particularly when there's media, they, and w- which there often is, especially in, in, in local government, people want to be identified with success. They want to be, they want to be seen in places where good things are happening. So, the point that my old boss was making was when you go to a politician complaining, that feels risky. It feels like a place where failure happens and they don't want to be anywhere near it. But if you go to them with a solution and particularly with a solution that solves a problem that they can then have some responsibility for, that looks like a place of success. That looks like a place where they they can can take credit for having done something to make their community better. Um, and it sounds like you would agree to that. Um, and I would add one more thing. Tell your story. Um, yes. I'm amazed at how, and maybe you can talk about it because, you know, you know, I mean, you're out in a community where people have lives and you talked about the woman who lives out in the country and can't couldn't get to her relatives for years and years and years. And 
because of this bus and paratransit that had nothing to do with her, she now can. That's an amazing story. And those are the kind of stories. So, so talk to talk about storytelling. You know, how do you use that? How do you train that when you work with people as an advocate? Talk about that for just a sec. Well, number one is always remember that your story is important. Just like you said, Ron, your story, it matters. And it it tells what what it takes for you to move from point A to point B. Transportation, a lot of times, is what makes or breaks a person's life, right? Whether you can get a job, go to your doctor, get your food, you know, do all of those things. It makes a difference. And so if your access needs are not being met and you're not able to get to all those places, tell people that. Because when you're able to tell people, you know, about what, you know, how you're impacted, whether it be, you know, in a negative way or a positive way, they're able to understand better what they don't necessarily go through. Because let's face it, most folks in transportation don't use public transportation, um, and, and, and neither do a lot of our elected officials and, yeah. you know, invite, invite them on a ride, you know, say, Hey, come, come take a ride with me. And, you know, I know locally here, that was one thing that happened with one of, um, our council members was he, he started off as, you know, a young guy who didn't have a lot of money. He was riding the bus doing his campaign. And so he thought it was really important to make sure that, you know, folks with disabilities, folks who, um, were veterans and seniors that they had access to transportation. And so he was able to work with Kaiser and get a grant, you know, mm-hmm. for people to get um, free transportation. And, you know, so those folks can ride for free on the fixed route transit, which is awesome. You know, so it yep. comes down to, you know, those kinds of stories of, of people and, you know, and, and how they move, it, it matters. It absolutely matters. And, you know, and I like to tell people, you know, the, the detail is important. You know, I, back in the day when my, my daughter was little, my daughter's now almost 20, you know, we would ride paratransit six or seven times in one day because I was taking her to school and I was going to the blind center and then I was taking her to this dance class and that dance class. And, oh, then she wanted food, you know, so. How dare she? I know. (laughs) I know. My goodness. How dare Carson want food? I know. And so, you know, I, I really, truly feel that, you know, myself and others who, you know, I've stood next to them coming into the, um, this realm and, and telling their story has really made a difference and made yeah. people look at transportation in a different way as more as a need rather than a convenience, you know, and it's, and it's something that people deserve. You know, someday on this show, we're going to play a game. We're going to do a game show and we're going to see if we can take any negative scenario and turn it into a positive story opportunity. So I'm going to ponder that because I think that would be a really fun exercise. Oh, yeah. Just try it and just see if we can do it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe like, um, oh, I don't know. You know. See, we'll get a panel of storytellers up here and we're going to ask you guys to bring your most painful transit stories, you know, with taking out the details, but, and we're going to see if we can turn them into a positive story that you can set, that you can share with a local policymaker or a local transit board in a way that creates an opportunity for them to create success. And we're going to, we're going to do this. I don't know how it looks yet, but that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be something fun to practice. And Sarah, I think we'll have to have you there 
because I want to close here. You've got plans for your future. You care to share anything you're working on over, say, the next year or two? Ah, are you talking about my run for council? I'm talking about whatever you want to talk about. Oh, oh, yeah. So um, it, talk about getting involved. So, you know, what, one of one of my things is that I have recognized that, you know, we, we want our elected officials and especially our local elected officials to look like the people that live there. Right. And so what I've noticed is that there's nobody with a a disability on my council, at least and that identifies as having a disability. And so I, I am going to run for city council. Um, it's not an easy thing. You'd be surprised. Fresno is a hard market to, to run. Believe it or not, people can get kind of ugly. Um, but I, I've learned that I have a voice and that there's folks out there that don't. And I would love to share their stories and, and be able to invoke change in that way. Um, because it's important. It's absolutely, absolutely important. And then Ron and I, we are on a national coalition together for transportation. And we're waiting to hear back on uh, the National Transportation Advisory Committee. But we haven't heard anything yet, because they're still trying to get their things together. And that's a committee that's supposed to be put together um, to put together some best practices. So it's not about the rules and regs. It's, you know, what are the best practices for serving people with disabilities in the transportation realm? Because let's face it, like, you know, some folks look at it in such a transactional way, you know, that the person, you know, personable part has been left out. And so that's just, that's, that's some of my stuff I got in store. Um, So you got a lot going on. Now, do you have a website <laughs> set up yet for your uh, for your run for power? Do you have a no, oh, not no, yet. Well, not you yet. Do, so. You do. You share it. We will. Uh, we will blow it up. And um, oh, I yeah, love be it. Of, that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, we're going to open this up. And I I really appreciate you and and for coming on and for spending some time. And so now we're going to open it up. And and if y'all out there, if people have uh, questions, if they have comments, or if you want to throw some of your transportation challenges out there uh we can we can chat about those or we can see if we can turn it into a positive ask um all i would ask that you do and travis is going to start calling on people um is is you know give your name uh, say the city and state you're in or the town and state or the county and state if it's rural you know give us some idea of where you live and then talk to us real quickly about you know what is the question or comment that you have and let's just see where this conversation goes. Um, it's pretty uh, it's pretty open tonight. So um, let's just keep it transportation related and see where we go. All right. So if you're ready, the first up will be Jewel. Jewel. All right. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Jewel. I am currently in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, looking to move to Nashville in a couple of months, actually. Um, but uh, one of my lifetime goals, long-term goals, is to run a small homestead in the country. Which, as you know, if you're in the country, there's very little transportation. If there's even a taxi service or anything, you're very lucky. Um, so my, I have two related questions. The first one is about rural transportation and what you think needs to be done to make 
transportation for people who cannot drive in the country, specifically people with disabilities, a right, not a convenience, not a luxury. Um, you know, for simple things, even like going to the grocery store, you know, going to the library, stuff like that. But also in general, many countries are very pedestrian friendly. The U.S. Ha- is and has always seemed to be very car centric. And I'm wondering what you think about um, how to get the U.S. away from being so car centric, even if there are transportation options, for example, once you're off the bus, where are you walking? You know, because no sidewalks or, you know, no safe places to walk. Um, seems like the whole country is very car centric. So yeah. just your thoughts on that would be great. Well, that's a mouthful. So um, and and I know, Jewel, you've been on on our call before and, you know, you've you've asked some really challenging questions around transportation and rural spaces. So let's start there. And Sarah, I know that, um, you know, we think of Fresno as, as a city with almost a million people and but there's a lot of rural around Fresno. So can you just talk to anything that's happening in your area and then maybe we can make and bounce a couple of ideas off each other? Cause I actually have a couple. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing to think about, um, there's a lot of hidden transportation. That's something we didn't talk about too with, within areas. And this is something, you know, where, where you can get creative. So if you're in a, in a space where there's not transportation, you know, you can reach out to, you know, uh, your healthcare provider and see if they offer anything. You can even partner like Anthem Blue Cross has always been a champion of, of, you know, doing transportation things and, and they do some stuff here in our area and, and other parts of the, um, nationally in the, the country. Um, but when you, you think about connecting people and especially, like you said, we live in a, in a very car centric world. So like, for instance, you know, we have several counties here that are all, they're all bunched together, but they're all very widespread. They have a lot of land miles and, so we have created between one county to Fresno County for between Tulare County, which is, um, you know, one of the, the other bigger counties here, a, a, a thing called the V line. So it's the Visalia line. It, it gets folks into Fresno to go to school, go, you know, to the airport, things like that. Currently, you know, that's not working because the Visalia transit folks are on strike and, and so that's where, again, those stories are huge, right? You got college starting, you got all these things happening. And so it's, it's really, you know, looking at, you know, making sure the people realize why this is so important, but to, to think about, you know, your idea of this really, really rural, like world. And I'm, I'm just picturing this big landscape of, you know, no sidewalk, no this, no that. Yeah. It, it really comes down to, uh, conversations and and it comes down to a lot of grassroots advocacy because without it you know th- those things don't change and and being creative you know talking to other people throughout the country what do you do here what do you do there you know like we have like I said earlier our self-help tax and it's a half half a cent tax that um, goes out of every dollar um, here in the, in Fresno County that goes into a bucket that's used for transportation. It's built freeways. It's, you know, done, you know, it pays for a lot of our transportation in the metropolitan area too. 
So again, it's just like thinking outside the box, being creative, talking to people, you know, and, and, and that's, that's really, you know, the, the best that I could tell you, but I, I'm, I'm just yep. all fascinated now. I'm picturing a commune and we're, you know, trying to get <laughs> people from one place to another. And then I'm thinking, well, you could get volunteers, you could hire people, you know, so there, there's, there's things you could do. Well, let's, let's, uh, that's a great jumping off point because Jewel, the recommendation, there is a concept um, that's floating around in the transit industry. Um, and this has actually been floated. It was floated. Um, it's been floated by a couple of politicians and I don't remember where I first saw it or read it or heard it or where I, I don't remember, but it's this idea of a universal basic transit benefit. And the concept is that, you, you know, our country, we spend, um, many billions on transportation every year. Uh, most of that money goes to highways and roads. Um, a chunk goes to, uh, a large chunk goes to public transit, which of course is designed to serve communities where there are people to ride public transit, which is why you tend not to see it in rural areas because there aren't, there aren't enough people um, to, you know, to have the transportation and to have it be effective and and to have it be cost effective. So, um, and even if they could afford it, finding people to, to operate it would be challenging. Um, so, so there's challenges that are inherent to rural areas, but one of the things that could be done, uh, first off, there are many programs around the country um, that use volunteer drivers where, um, and you, at the end of the day, you have to find, you, you have to find volunteers, but the idea is that volunteers are reimbursed with either state money or some federal money or whatever money is in the in the in the game um, for the time that and the mileage that they spend volunteering um, another but another concept that it could be married to a volunteer driver program would be this idea of a universal basic transit benefit where if you're in an area that has no public transportation um, you receive a benefit that's yours to spend um, because you pay taxes. You pay taxes to the state that you live in. Your state takes those taxes and they spend that money in your neck of the woods. It's probably on highways, which you cannot use. There's an argument to be made for the fact that every American who pays, I mean, I, 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 when I say who pays taxes, I, I don't want it to sound like that only taxpayers should be able to use it. But the idea here is we all pay into a system we should all be able to get some benefit from that system. And um, and so there's an argument to be made that we should be thinking about for people that do not receive a benefit, that we give them something in lieu of that. So maybe that's a, that's money that they can use to, to pay volunteers or to pay family members or to buy their own car uh, and insure that vehicle so that if they can find someone to drive it, they have a vehicle. So yeah, we're not gonna solve this tonight, um, but I do think that there are creative things you can do. Uh, there is a resource um, called the Rural Transportation Assistance Program, RTAP. Um, and I don't know what kind of resource, I'm not super familiar with RTAP, but um, RTAP has a website. They have, um, you know, they have training programs focused around rural transportation issues. I would encourage you to look there um, and see if there's anything that's relevant. Um, I would also um, reach out to them and see if there are transit ambassadors in the state of, you're in Kentucky, um, 
or um, and of course Nashville has better transportation options, but you know there might be people in your state or um, I guess Kentucky's a Commonwealth um, who who are working on some of these same challenges, and you might want to start to network. Uh, next person, and also I want to make keep mind of Clubhouse too. So Herbie, if anybody's out there, feel free. All right, next will be Starry. Hello, my name is Tari Gah, and I live in St. Louis, Missouri. And so I have a couple questions. One is, I'm really surprised that you can get six paratransit rides in a day, and I'm curious how you do that. And my other question is, um, do you know anything about a system that we can access, maybe a database or something? nationally or statewide where we can look up connecting transit agencies for intercity or interstate travel for those who cannot drive? Those are two really good questions. So Sarah, I'm going to let you talk about right, scheduling six paratransit rides. That's a hard feat. So you must have oh. been, uh, yeah. You just have to strategically plan everything. And, and it comes down to, you know, whatever your local paratransit provider decides. Like, so like I said earlier, ours is 90 minute ride time. And so there needs to be 90 minutes in between rides. So like, for instance, there's not a state, well, she's not in elementary school anymore, but there's not a safe way, safe path to travel to her elementary school and back in the day. So I would take paratransit there. And then from, uh, and then I would have the next scheduled ride. So I'd get there before she'd get out of school, strategically schedule it to where, you know, I, I, you know, I'd get her, we'd wait, the bus would come, we'd go to, you know, to dance class and then from dance class and maybe to the grocery store. It's just dependent on what was going on, but it's really strategically figuring out your day and recognizing that going to places where there, maybe there's more of what you're looking for in one area um, is is really key to um, you know if you, you have a few different items you need to get to get going to a place where there's you know several stores is helpful. But spend a lot of time waiting. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I I I am a very patient person, and and I think that that writing paratransit that much <laughs> really gave that to me because I I I can sit and wait for a long time. It's really funny. So Tariq, you ask a, a second question, and I want to kind of dive into that just for a moment. Um, and first off, I do want to also say that not all paratransit systems would support, even if they allowed you to book six trips, some paratransit systems aren't running at a level of effectiveness where you could legitimately plan to take six trips and have it actually work. Um, and you might be in one of those yes. cities. That's um, why so, it's impressive to me because yeah. in my city, we're dealing with paratransit yep. where we're noting all of the trip denials and there are things going on. So I was yep. really impressed. Very I think St. Louis might uh, might not be in the uh, in the six day uh, six trip a day camp, but um, well, you but know that because yeah. you previously yep. had a, a thing. I'm familiar about with it. Yep. Mm -hmm. So let's so uh, let me just take to your second kind of question because. That's a really good one, and I think this is um, this is an opportunity. So I am not, and I'm in the industry. I am not aware of a searchable database 
uh, where you as a customer can plan a trip on transportation, whether on you know fixed route, bus, rail kind of transportation or paratransit, uh, either across the country or um, you know connecting to each other. You know, like say connecting uh, from you know St. Louis to to um, yeah, I'm not sure where that journey would go, but I, I'm not aware of anything like that. I, I do think that there have been, in fact, I know there have been efforts. Um, there was a program that was funded by the USDOT, which is the Department of Transportation, uh, called ITS, as in it's ITS for us. That was a, there was a project designed to create a system that would integrate all of the transportation providers uh, over a very large kind of footprint, like maybe a, um, an entire state or maybe a metropolitan, a huge metropolitan area so that people could take trips, you know, plan trips on multiple providers that connected and integrated. Those projects are, they are, uh, I don't believe any of those have, have come to the point of, of creating a, a product. My personal belief is that there is an opportunity uh, for somebody to create that kind of a resource the challenge, of course, is keeping it up to date. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, this is a need. Uh, I think there's also a need, by the way, and and I love the fact that California uh, is talking about a statewide application. I think there should be a statewide paratransit database so that customers don't have to uh, constantly pass information back and forth uh, between transit systems every time they want to take a trip, because that creates all sorts of delays and bureaucracy and headache for everybody, uh, and data solves that problem. So I think there's a lot of work to be done in that space, and I appreciate the question. Um, Travis, next. All right, and just so you know, it is two minutes till the top of the hour. Awesome. Thank and you. our next hand is a phone number, 919, ending in 651. You may unmute. Okay, I'll make it quick. I do have a story for your uh, challenge of um, okay. And who is this, by the way? Oh, okay. This is Debbie from Raleigh. I was trying to okay. hurry up. Go ahead. Uh, but uh, I do have a story for your uh, adventure into uh, you know changing something bad into something good. But the other two issues are um, what the system wants to do now. Here is pick up one person from point A, pick up the next person, and then take those people on those two trips, you know, person one from one place, pick up person two, and then drop person one off where they're going, and then drop person two back to where they're going, if I, if I make any sense. Thanks, so. And that that just seems to be utterly dumb. I, I can't figure out the rationale behind that. Uh, but my other concern is I don't mind waiting in a public place outside, but I do not like to wait outside my own house because obviously uh, somebody could come and, you know, knock you down and grab your keys and go in and just ravage the place. So, uh, you know. Yeah. That's so you're concerned issue. about your and safety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mind in a public place because there are usually people around, but around here, uh, it depends on the time of day, but there's not much traffic and, you know, 
Uh, I know my neighbors, but you know they're not always home. And the driver doesn't always have your phone number, so right. there. We're going through a transition here in Raleigh, and uh, uh, so far uh, they have a lot of things that need to work be worked out. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, can... yeah. Thanks okay. for the chance to uh, vent. Well, so so let's talk about those. So I'm not, um, you know, just in terms of I want to turn this over to Sarah. So Sarah. I'm curious what you think. So we have a person here who um, you, she lives in Raleigh. It's you know, it's a big city, uh, but she's concerned about you know, the routing question. That's a tricky one. Those are very specific to uh, it probably it, it could be as simple as learning curve. It could be that the new provider needs to learn how to do their work better. It could there could be a reason that we don't know. But but the question of safety, I want to want to flip this to you, Sarah. So you're sitting you're now on that city council. And you have a customer who says, there's really two ways they can go. I mean, they she can come in and say, this system's terrible. I hate using it. I feel unsafe. Um, you know, I'm out in my yard and I have to wait for the vehicle and it's terrible because they show up and 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 I could be mugged or someone could rob my, rob my house while I'm standing outside. That's one approach. It's the angry, you need to fix this. It's broken. It's awful approach. What, from your standpoint, sitting up on the dais, and you're the person who's going to make this decision, how would what would be the way that she could share that same story with you that might, you know, might make you more inclined to uh, to get involved and try to maybe help her out? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, the I, I think first and foremost is say exactly what she said right there that you're you're you fear for your safety. You know, say I, I'm a person who's visually impaired. I use the local paratransit service and, you know, I, I I really enjoy the service. I'm glad I have it. But, you know, one of the things that they request is that we wait outside. And, you know, sometimes that could be for a long period of time and I'm concerned about my safety. And so I'd like as a reasonable accommodation to receive an out front phone call. And that is, that's totally legit, but that, that, that's what I would love to hear because then I would say, well, let's talk about that. What does that look like? Um, and, you know, find out those rules too, because, you know, typically they have to wait for you. What is it Ron? Like at least five minutes, right? It depends on the system, generally five. Yeah. 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 Generally five. And, and, you know, so you, you can request that. And, and I don't know if you have, um, you know, in your paratransit agency, a person like, like my, my bestie that I keep talking about, Shanir, we got to get Shanir on the, the, on here one time. All right, well, we'll, um, uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, because one of the things that, you know, he does is that folks do call and they ask for reasonable accommodations like that, or, you know, maybe they live in an apartment complex that, you know, the, the bus can't get inside of, but, you know, a cutaway can't, but but maybe a sedan can. And so maybe they, they request that they only get sedan. So that there's things that can be done. Now, do they have to do them? No, but uh, I'll tell you, you know, if you if you ask in the right way and you get you know, your council member involved, you know, maybe a, a local agency that can really make a difference and get get some blind friends together and say, hey, I don't like waiting outside because I think, you know, somebody's going to get me because they they may. You're absolutely right. You never know. So so the key here that I heard is you when you say. I, I appreciate the service. Um, I use it a lot and I I have one area that 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 is difficult for me and i have an easy solution 
that would make this much better for me and much safer for me. Um, you've offered them a solution and, and you've made it easy for them to say yes. So, and that's really the key to taking a story because the story is anybody can relate to safety. You know, I, when I, when I'm in front of my house, it's a, on a, on a dark night and there's nobody around. I feel unsafe. Every, everybody can relate to feeling unsafe at some point, even you know, a person who thinks they're big and strong and, and invulnerable at some point has probably had, has probably felt unsafe and say with a simple phone call, if I could just wait inside and have a phone call when the vehicle shows up, I would feel safe. I would be safe and I could use the service and it would be a lot better and it would cost you virtually nothing. Um, and I would be safe. And this is the only thing I need you to do. As a policy person on a board, Sarah, would you be inclined to just say to staff, hey, can you just like make that happen? Absolutely. Put it in, yeah. put in the notes on our file, you know, yeah. absolutely. So does so that those make are, sense? Those are simple yeah. things. And Deb, hopefully that makes sense. Um, who is next? Next would be Lucy. You may go ahead. Hello, Ron and everyone. Hey, I, Lucy. Hi, I'm Lucy Arguijo. I live in St. Augustine, Florida. And um, it's a very small city. It's the oldest city in the nation, uh, but it's... Um, one where we don't have much a uh, public transit system to speak of. We have the Council on Aging, and they have a couple of routes um, that stop by uh, the few stops we have in the city about every four hours or so. Um, one of those stops happens to be right outside my house, um, but we have to um, know what times they're passing by and we have to flag them down um and so even if i call the number that they say you can call um which in many occasions they don't answer but when they do it has happened to me that um, when i have tried to use the system um, i'll call and i'll let them know where i'm located and to let them and to to let the driver know that I'm visually impaired, and I'll need to need them to stop for me. Uh, and they still don't. They still uh, pass right by me because they're looking for um, somebody who's who's going to flag them down. And so I am wondering huh. um, who to reach out to or ways in which um, <laughs> that kind of situation can be improved here. Who, um, because, who funds the service? Do you know who funds it? All I know, it's the Council on Aging. Okay, so it's probably funded with Older Americans Act money. Um, so do you know who runs the service? Is it run by the city of uh, St. Augustine? Is it run by a senior center? Uh, is it run by uh, you know the county? Do you know who 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 is physically the operator of the service? I believe it is the city of St. Augustine. Okay. Here's what I would probably do. And Sarah, feel free to add from anything you've advised at the living skills 
um, and with the uh, Independent Living Center, but I would probably call the city. I'd find out who runs the service and I would call them directly, the, the administrator, not the people who are like the day-to-day. Um, and, I'd, and I would probably just explain what you just shared. And, and I would say, I'd like to problem solve with you because right now this service um, it's a it's a city provided service, even though it's funded maybe with federal money, it's still provided city and I'm betting they're matching locally, which means it's now a city provided service. They actually have an, a, an ADA obligation um, as a state, as this is a service provided by a local government. Um, they have an obligation under ADA to make it accessible. Um, and even though it's not public transit, so you don't, you don't have, it's not a transit thing, but it's, it, but it is a state it's a local government thing. They still have to make it accessible. Um, Mm -hmm. There are ways to address it. There are some simple ways like you've described, you called and they call you when they get there or whatever, you know, however you do that. There are some other technology ways. Um, There is a product in the market now called Looking Bus, which is an app-based product that integrates to a transit systems or a transportation systems dispatch technology. So like the MD, the, the driver probably has a, a screen or a mobile device. The, this technology can integrate to that so that you as a citizen um, could register. And then once you do, you could you can register and say, I'm Lucy, I have a visual impairment and I need this accommodation. And you say what the accommodation is, which is for the driver to, to stop for you and to announce their presence. Um, that's that technology is designed to push that information that text information to the driver's dispatch tablet or phone or whatever they're using so that they get that information in front of their face at the time that it's needed um so i would say that from an ada standpoint you have an advocacy this is a straight simple advocacy this is a you're covered by the ada as a city I'm a customer with a disability. The service doesn't work for me because it's not accessible. You're not in compliance with ADA. You need to fix it. And then here's a solution. And then it becomes just a matter of saying, you know, you can either have the driver do their job correctly, um, or you can implement some technology. It's not very expensive. Maybe you get a grant. um, And then we have a solution that maybe works for, for lots of people. Um, so I think there are ways to go about it, but you're going to have to probably start with some advocacy to make sure they understand that they have an obligation under ADA to make it accessible. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Sarah, did I leave anything out? <laughs> what would you say? Anything left? Just number one, knowledge is power. Ask questions. Yeah. You know, and and go to the people that know the answers. Don't ask the reservationists because they typically do not know. You know. Yeah, they're just gonna um, say what the procedure is. Yeah. And and the, the and and you know, even funnier. Sometimes they don't even know what paratransit is. Oh, this is this is handy, right? No, it's paratransit. Huh? What? Right. You know. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. But def- yeah, <laughs> but definitely ask questions, and you know, because it is your right to know. You know, this is all public information of you know who's paying for this and. Um, and then do your own little investigation and your own little brainstorming. And, and, and again, we're going to come back to it, come up with solutions because believe it or not, sometimes, you know, the solutions we come up with, they're, they're welcomed, you know, because 
they've gotten at their wit's end and they have no clue what to do. All right, next. Next is Donna Browning. Hello. Hello, this Donna. Is, this is Donna from Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, one thing I do want to say, um, I um, work for paratransit. <laughs> so I could say all sorts of stuff right now, but um, I'm coming from the side of the passenger. Um, but let me make one little comment first that I do for my clients who are visually impaired. My clients that are visually impaired, um, if they're telling me they're missing their vehicles because they don't realize they're there, blah, blah, blah. So what I've begun to do is, um, because I know who most of them are, and we, we have this discussion, and if they're having trouble, I put in, their no in the notes uh, a blind call upon arrival and or for the driver to ID themselves. And they have told me, uh, a lot of them have told me this is working much better, that they're not having quite as much problem. Mm -hmm. um, and I've noticed, I also want to say this sometimes, um, issues that maybe visually impaired people are having, people with other disabilities are having too. Um, I was having an issue with a client today. Um, he didn't know what vehicle was coming to get him. The vehicle was right there in front of him and he didn't even know it. And the driver wasn't bothering to get out and let him know they were uh, for him. So that luckily we were able to get him with his driver and that way he didn't get a no show. So there's a lot of aspects, you know, it takes a driver being a little bit responsible and helping out, but it also takes the client to be responsible and, um, and one of the things I heard on the news today that was really frightening, um, we had a disabled girl get attacked on a fixed bus route uh, yesterday. Yep. So, the Donna, did you, have a, did you have a specific yes. question? or Yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 I do. Um, but I just was like, since we were talking that stuff, you know, um, driver, mm -hmm. the driver didn't do anything. That was pretty frightening to hear. Yeah. Yep. So, my specific question so we have a system set up where um, we have two different transportation s systems. And when we have one in particular, um, if, if they don't show up or we don't get a message, the other one is supposed to take over. But they don't always let us know what has happened. Now, I have learned that if I don't get an alert from this other one by a certain time, I need to call. But transportation is not always happy to hear from me. They're not always friendly. And they're like, well, you need to give it such, such time that I have to explain to them. Well, I always get alert by this time. And I need you to check on this. And usually, and every time they've checked, I'm right. It, the, uh, the one is bounced back and then they have to deal with it, which holds up my trip for another probably hour. And that's very mm -hmm. frustrating. Yeah. And the problem for me is since I work for the organization my advocacy level is shut down to a point yeah yeah and i don't yep. know how to deal with this issue because we can't talk to the driver for this other transportation at all we can't talk to the other uh transportation at all and that's very frustrating that the client can't talk to them and the reservationists can't but 
I'm talking on the pair. I'm talking on the writer side now. Not being able to contact yes. them directly is a problem. Yep. And so I really don't. You know, I, I it gets very frustrating when they don't want to check for me, and then I have mm-hmm. to. They go, "Oh, you got to wait your window." Well, then my window's going to come. And then you might say, "Well, I got a no show," and then yep. I'm I'm done for. So yep. How I would you I, suggest we I, deal with this? Yeah, let me just start. Sarah, do you think this is a do you think this is an internal uh, working with the agency issue at this point, or do you think that this is uh, a, a go to council kind of issue? I think you start within the agency, and I don't I don't know if you have like a a local you know transportation director that oversees like all of <laughs> transportation. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say go there, and since you mm-hmm. do work there, get you know get a couple of friends that don't um to to you know step in and and talk about their experiences as well Um, Mm -hmm. you know that's that's a big thing here is Mm -hmm. you know like you call like hey when is my ride coming and they're like we can't tell you why can't you tell me that makes no sense it's 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 dumb you know um and and like for lack of any other way to put it um and and it's 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 a thing here that you know for a while it was fine and then we got a new manager in place and and they were they're not doing it again and so I tell them I said well how do you feel (laughs) how would you feel if somebody said well I don't know they're they're gonna come just wait your window and then call and it's like why do you want to wait till the end of your window to make a phone call of when your ride's gonna be there and because I know myself sometimes I'm running a little bit late or you know I'm I'm like trying to feed the dog and all these different things are coming up at one time and so if I know that I have an extra 10 minutes I'm not going to panic as much right and and I think that that's the fair thing for people to to know you know so Mm -hmm. I I would I would start like you know if there's like I said a transportation director and and then if that doesn't change go higher I I'm in the the space where I I think I want to go higher and I want to go and 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 talk in front of council and actually teach mm. them what paratransit is because I'm learning more and more mm-hmm. our local officials don't get it. So know, Donna, and- yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with that. And it, I would actually tweak it just a little. What I would probably do, first off, I agree with the advice to stay internal, especially because you work for the system. Yeah. What I would do is I would, I would start with your direct supervisor. Um, but I would, I would say, um, as you know, I work here. And as you also know, I use the service. I'm experiencing a problem that that I guarantee is is not limited to me. And if we can solve it for me, Zoom optimized audio is on. Noise suppression is it, enabled. It's an internal thing. And if it works for my situation, it'll work for these other customers as well. And what you do, because you are a person who works in the industry, is you have a solution in mind and you offer that solution as an employee to your supervisor for a problem that you have, which is also a problem that others undoubtedly have. Right. Um, and so, so, inst- so it's the same formula. You come with a, you come with a, with a problem, but with a solution to the problem in hand um, so that they uh, see you as creating success. Um, and yeah, there, look, 
the right. fact is they may not accept your solution and and you may have to think about next steps but i would start there um so yeah exactly. i think that's where i'd start because i've always told the transportation company yep. that deals with it all i said you know you're it's it's much telling a client the truth is much better than beating yeah. around the bush because when you're beating around the bush we know something's wrong and we, i would much rather know this has happened then you're telling me oh let, let, let me look and see that and you take yeah. a half hour and make me hold and then you come tell me this is happening or yeah. i could have made a choice whether to continue with this or go another way one, and, one more comment and then we need to move on and and that is this you may not have the solution in mind but what you as an internal person can do is say, this is the problem. Get their ownership that there's a problem. Once you have it, say, what I would like to do is I would like to convene a working group that represents a person from each part of the organization that touches this problem. And I would like for us to come up with a solution together, which we will present to you, manager, um, as a solution that we can test. And then we probably right. need to go on, but that's where I would start. Um, okay, we have time, you. I think, probably for one or two more. So, all right, you are actually out of hands right now. Ah, well, let me just share some news uh, on the transportation front, just generally for you all to watch out, and we will start to uh, bring some of some people on our stage uh, to talk about some of these things. There are two, not one, but two. Uh, rulemakings that are happening out in the world of the federal government, which are going to have very significant impacts on transportation. And in our next couple of calls, we're going to take these on. So I don't have, I don't have my speakers completely nailed down yet, um, but I do have the topics um, and I have one of the speakers. So we're getting close. Um, the two issues are this. Um, there is a the, net, the Access Board, the U.S. Access Board, which is an organization that basically codifies um, architectural requirements and that, in, that really hit in the pedestrian environment, um, has issued what's called a, a, a um, final rule. It's called the Public Rights of Way Access, Accessibility Guidelines. And that's, a, we call it PROAG for short, because that one needs a sh to be shortened. And what it means is basically what PROAG does is it governs, um, this. it sets standards for accessibility in the pedestrian space. And there is a new standard which deals with um, pedestrian spaces, and it includes things like accessible pedestrian signals, uh, and lots and lots of pieces. That standard is not yet, um, a, it, it's a standard, it's all done. The, the blind community um, has gotten a lot of, of gains with this new standard, um, but it will not be implemented in transportation until the US Department of Transportation basically tells the transit industry that they have to adopt it. And it will not be implemented in other spaces until the US Department of Justice tells everybody, all state and local governments, that they have to do the same. So there will be a rulemaking process at some point in the very near term, probably within the next uh, 60 to 120 days. Uh, there's gonna be an opportunity to make comments and to encourage these 
federal departments to uh, issue these standards so that we can start to see a quicker implementation of accessible pedestrian signals, um, curb cuts, um, detectable warnings, you know, all the things that make the pedestrian environment more accessible. We're going to be talking about that on this show, uh, but I would encourage you uh, to be to be watching out for anything that says PROAG, which again is Public Rights of Way Accessibility Guidelines, because this is going to be a document and a set of rules that really change how pedestrian environments work for us as people who are blind or have low vision. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Um, the other thing that has happened is, and this is out right now, is the um, the U.S. Department of Justice has issued what's called a notice of proposed rulemaking. Now, this particular notice of proposed rulemaking, basically, this is like a draft legal standard where the government has basically said we intend to issue guidance to the world that looks like this, and we want your comments. The topic of this one is web accessibility and mobile app accessibility. And we need this. Um, we need this badly. And it has huge implications for public transportation because public transportation is moving into the digital space. In some cities, it is now impossible to get a printed transit schedule. You can go online. You can go to a mobile app and maybe you can print one from there. But if the mobile app is not accessible and if the website is not accessible, then the information is not really accessible to you at all. So the Department of Justice is um, inviting comment right now through October 3rd on web and mobile accessibility standards, which would apply to instruments of state and local government. And that includes transit. So we will be talking about this uh, probably during our September call. So I don't have that nailed down altogether just yet, uh, but I wanted to let you know that these things are coming. These are important things that affect transportation. Uh, we will, in the show notes for tonight, I'll include some links uh, to those documents uh, so that you can check those out for yourself if you get our mailing, uh, get our mailing list, or if you're on our mailing list. Um, and we'll, of course, include those in our, in our, you know, we post our notes to the ACB conversation list and also to the ACB Facebook group. So if you're in any of those places, you should be able to get this. Um, there's lots of other places to get it too, but there's a lot going on and um, it's all positive, but it's going to take work by advocates like us. Before we close, I just want to ask Sarah, do you have any last words or wisdom or anything you want to leave our, leave our group with? Just don't give up. You know, that's that's the number one thing. You got to have transportation to get from one place to another. And whether that's, you know, the, the actual, you know, wheels on the bus go round and round or the sidewalk you walk <laughs> in on, you know, or that APS to cross the street. You know, we all need those things. And, and it is a right. And, you know, just don't, don't let people put fear in you. Um, recognize that, you know, you have a right to have an opinion and to, you know, come forth with solutions. and you know, be big. And, you know, I, I love this quote. I don't know who said it, but, you know, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And sometimes, you know, talking to quote unquote, big people, uh, people with influence can can be a little scary, but, 
you know, sometimes they, they need to be told the truth. Um, and so just don't, don't be afraid. Well, when and you're an important, you. when you're an important local, you know, politician, uh, wheeling and dealing in Fresno County, we're going to say that we knew you way back when, and uh, <laughs> I am, I am truly grateful uh, for you to come on this stage and spend some time with us and share your energy, uh, you know, your experience uh, and your vision for uh, what we can do when we are willing to just get out there and tell our story, be positive, be persistent, uh, and to be patient with ourselves and uh, with the process. And um, I think that this was fun. Uh, I'm really grateful to those of you who shared some of your questions and your comments. Uh, Travis, thank you for your uh, work as our host. Herbie, thank you for your work out in Clubhouse and streaming. Um, next month's call is going to be on the third Wednesday, just like always. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all back uh, then. And I, I'm sorry, I had my hand raised and I just had a real quick question. Could you repeat the name of that movement that you were talking about, Universal Transit? Oh, oh, oh. Um, that's I all I, I needed. The universal basic transit subsidy, or I don't know Thank if it has you. a name. I don't know if it has a name, but Google those words and you might be able to track it down. And I'll I'll see if I can find something basic to include in the show notes. Um, it's really more of a, a dream, I think, than a than an actual like proposal at this point. But um, I do think it's something we should be talking about. So anyway, thank you everybody for joining us and uh, thank you for being here and, and uh, we will see you next time.